Hello, and welcome to the Ringgold Band podcast series, Sustaining an American Music Tradition. My name is Cindy Miller-Onks, president of the band, and with me is... Jim Seidel, the musical director of the Ringgold Band. And with both of us today is Carol Schwanger, who is a bassoonist with the Ringgold Band and a freelance bassoonist around the area and chairman of the Fine Arts Department at Alvernia University. So, Carol, welcome. Well, thank you very much. You come to us with so many um, different experiences. We're anxious to hear your story. So I know because I met you through the Pottstown Band yeah, of all places yeah. many, many years ago before it disbanded mm-hmm. when we both played regularly with them as well. We did. And you had an experience playing in the Ringgold Band back in, I would, I'm going to make a wild guess, it would have been the early 70s. That's right. Now, I know you start yeah. playing bassoon when you were, what, two? There's a different story for that, too. But but I came to Reading because I was a part-time faculty member at Kutztown University. I taught in their lab school for four years. Oh, did you teach music there? Yes, music, music. right Mm -hmm. after I got my graduate degree. So um, coming to Reading, I didn't know anyone, and I remember driving around by myself on a rainy Friday night looking at apartments. I don't think my parents would have been too happy if they'd known that but I found an apartment on North 5th Street and sort of then looked for a way to be into the music scene uh, in addition to teaching at Kutztown so I met up with two stalwarts of the music scene at the time which were Jimmy Michael of Michael's Music Studio and Wes Fisher Uh, you had to know him to get a job that's for sure (laughs) that's right and you had to join the union which I did so um, at that time Ringgold was a union band and I started to attend rehearsals so that maybe when they needed me, I could be a sub for the summer. So we're talking 1975 at that time. And uh, so the the band was rehearsing in their own band hall, which was really a nice thing to have. This was um, like an open space on South Fifth Street, maybe above like a Gilbert's third floor. Furniture Store. It was on the third Is that floor. What it was? Oh, third it was floor, above yeah. Gilbert's. Mm-hmm. I never yeah. So you would come in, and there'd be all this wood, a wooden floor, and wooden everything, and a lot of buzz going on. And I was very um, happy to have a place to play. But here I was, a young woman, new to the area, and just about everybody I saw was an older male. So, <laughs> <laughs> was there were there other bassoon players in the band I at that time? I think they had another one, uh, one that we kind of traded off for Earl that Myers. summer. That would have been Earl Myers, I believe. Yes, mm. yeah, that's it right. Was Earl Myers. Yes, yeah. So um, I got eyed up, you might say. (laughs) (laughs) And there are a few other experiences which I'm not going to relate right right now. Well, there couldn't have been too many other females there at that time because I was there at that time. And it would have been Elaine Frankie on clarinet. I don't know that I got to know a lot of people. And uh, the only other one I can think of is she played flute, Vesta Preska. Huh. Vesta. Wow. I think that was her. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was an unusual name. But I know they were two regulars in the mm-hmm. early 70s. Uh, yeah. I just hear stories about that time that they had their own hot dog griller. And, I think And people did. were smoking. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was full of smoke. But I was used to that. It was the 70s and I was a musician. Right. And, <laughs> and there, there, there was beer. and Right. It really had a feel of something old and well-meaning and there was a, there was a camaraderie there that I did not feel out of place I just it was a even new though thing you me. were one of the yeah. few women yeah but, uh-huh yeah people offered me rides and 
Well, we will stop there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very interesting. That very now, good. compare that experience. Yeah. You you have subbed with the band throughout time, but in the last two years or so, you have become pretty much a regular playing member of the band again, and we're very happy to have you back playing regularly with us. So can you compare the two experiences? Well, there's a lot of good that remains and a lot of good that is new. So I'd say the Ringgold Band is even better than it ever was. Uh, there are a lot of reasons for that, but some of the things that are the same and still good would be that we have our own band hall. We have the obvious history displayed in the hall. There's yes. a great camaraderie of the pe- people are there because they want to play and because they like the other people in the band. Uh, we have some social times when... Not at the band hall, but when it's when it's needed, and I think we serve a a, a slot in the Reading community that is very important. I mean, you feel like you're really doing some good when you're playing a concert. Well, that's great. What um, what brought you to the bassoon? The bassoon was <laughs> typical of most bassoonists. I was playing a different instrument, which happened to be flute. Oh, and I, I was, did not know that. Yeah, I, I wanted to be in the music program, and I, I just wanted to play cello, but my school did not have an orchestra, and my mother said ladies should not play cello. <laughs> so <laughs> those, these are some old ideas floating around. I'm dating myself. <laughs> so I decided, well, at least if I played flute, I could get into the band. I was bad. Oh. I really, uh, no, I was not good at flute, and I couldn't even get a sound out of a piccolo, so... Uh, the band director noted that I was an excellent student, <clears throat> and he, <laughs> That's okay. and he, That's he pulled okay. this uh, funny-looking thing out of the closet when I was in early ninth grade. He said, this is a bassoon. I said, okay. He said, how about just take it home for one night and see if you can get it put together and get a sound out of it? Well, that's a challenge in itself. That, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and I did. And because I'm a very detail-oriented person and I was up for a challenge and I knew I wasn't going to make it on the flute, <laughs> I, um, I just... I just took to it. I just loved it. I loved uh-huh. all the intricacies of the... Well, there's um, so many keys. Yeah, the and keys so many, and the fingerings right. and the half holes and the what do you do with the reed and all that. And then ended up... This was in New Jersey. I was just going to ask yeah. you. you I grew up I, in New Jersey okay. in Camden County. So I eventually made it to uh, Allstate Band and Allstate Orchestra, which I think compared at that time to maybe a regional here in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have a lot of the um, intermediate. They don't have as many intermediate steps, as, correct. As we do, like going to county and districts and regionals. And yes, the and uh, because we're in a rich, rich area here in Berks County for music education, I don't think the level, at least at, maybe at all state it was, but at the other levels like South Jersey Band or something was not quite up to what we would have, say, at a district. Mm-hmm. So that, that's very interesting to it hear is. about that history. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of um, district and regional bands, mm-hmm. uh, the Ringgold Band has a number of youth outreach programs, and we mm-hmm. just finished our district band reading session. We did. Do you, um, coming back to the band, mm-hmm. I, I know our educational programs were an addition from when you had yes. um, played with the band before. Right. How are you enjoying those? I enjoy them because, as I mentioned before, the band has a role to fill within the community, always have. Um, at one time, Reading had some 46 or so 
bands right in the city of Reading that were not oh school bands, just community bands. Right. And um, that role cannot stay exactly the same, however, which is why most of the bands are not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the roles that are played now, such as the educational outreach roles, are one of the the needs and one of the sparkling things that we do, yeah. I, I was sitting next to a bassoonist who was just started in ninth grade, and oh. I almost saw myself sitting really? next to me. Yeah. Well, that that was really neat. And yeah. did she open herself up to asking you questions about things, and did she accept constructive comments from she, you? On she which did I'm accept sure the getting... comments, but bassoonists are naturally reticent. <laughs> so, um, Just like trumpet players naturally have an ego. I like that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they enjoy the, um, the role of su- supporting the rest of the band and uh, making their sound fit in and kind of doing their own thing in a way that is not obtrusive. And so that's the way their personalities usually are. Mm-hmm. Or quirky, one or the right. other. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just before we come to a close with this podcast, you, you've been at Alvernia a long time. I've been at Alvernia 40 years, yes. Is oh it my. 40 years? It's 40 years. What yeah. drew you to Alvernia and caused you to spend a career there? <laughs> I mean, I, uh, yeah. I, you're my boss, so to speak. <laughs> and, and, and I enjoy sharing the, the time with you there. So, yeah. But I'm just thinking about the the trials and tribulations that I know you go through on a daily basis. And I know mm-hmm. you're well-respected around the campus oh, for you. when you said you're detail oriented, there is no doubt about that. Oh, Very detailed, but what drew you here and, and what caused you to stay here? Well, I wanted to stay in the area because in 1976, I got married to somebody from this area. So I thought, well, all right, I'm here now. <laughs> How am I going to get a full-time <laughs> job? So I was able to find part-time work at Alvernia where they were just beginning a music major and then I so I was at the two institutions for two years and they said well we're going to have a full-time job Uh, you can apply for it so I did and got the job because I was working with the head of the music department at that time a nun sister Merciel I went into the office to sign my contract for full time, and this was when the nuns wore the old habits and their foreheads are covered, and you know you don't know too much about them. This little nun was sitting there in the president's office, and she said, here's your contract, and I looked at it. The money was not much more than I was already getting at Kutztown University for half time. So I, you know, I was taken aback. And I said, well, sister, this isn't much more than what I already get for half a job. And she said, well, are you going to sign it or not? <laughs> <laughs> that was, well, so I did. You did. <laughs> you did. I really liked working with um, a program that was very student-oriented, and I was only one of two um, lay faculty at that time. I liked, I liked being in that atmosphere, and I still do. And you, you just take care of everybody so well over there. Oh, thank you. And I, I know there's a tremendous round of respect. And well, Cindy and I are happy that you're back with the band. And I'm enjoying it and very much. Very, it's yes, really very neat. Happy. And I know you can struggle because of the Alvernia job teaching at a different campus sometimes or teaching a yeah. night class. But yeah. thank you for making those sacrifices and telling us your story today. Yes, <laughs> we're welcome. a lot that I didn't know. So please check 
uh, the Ringgold Band out at our website to find out our upcoming concerts and activities at www.ringgoldband.com. And this is Cindy Miller-Ungst. And Jim Seidel. Until our next podcast, we thank Carol Swanger for this one. We'll have a great day.